Hey, it's David, and I'm back from vacation, and I'm ready to talk NBA Finals. Today is Monday, June 3rd. Game 2 wrapped up last night, and we have a very interesting series. Series tied at one game apiece. So Game 1, just to quickly recap, was the Pascal Siakam game. Spicy P, as he is known. Siakam went 14 for 17 from the floor. Mark Gasol also had a very nice game. He had 20 points, and Toronto got a huge win. Just a side note, it, this is the peak of Toronto Raptors fandom, for sure. Raptors have been in existence for about 25 years, obviously struggled in the East playoffs the last several years, losing to LeBron, I think, three times, which there's not a lot of shame in that. Pretty much everyone else in the East lost to LeBron as well. LeBron made seven straight finals as the Eastern Conference champ. Then LeBron left. The Raptors fired. Coach of the year, Dwayne Casey, brought in Nick Nurse to coach. They obviously swung the huge trade to obtain Kawhi Leonard, giving up DeMar DeRozan. And here we are, Toronto in the finals, hosting a finals game and winning that finals game one on their home floor. Pretty excited for the Raptors fans. I'm really happy for them. Uh, if you've been a Raptors fan for a long time, this is definitely peak Raptors fandom. So after Game 1, a little bit of concern for Golden State. Obviously, no Kevin Durant in Game 1 or Game 2. Still speculation on when he will return. I think he'll return midway through the series. And obviously, if the Warriors have Kevin Durant for three more games, they only need to win three more games, I like the Warriors' chances. But without KD in Game 2, I think there was still some speculation and some concern on the part of the Warriors. Vegas had the line at Raptors minus 2 for Game 2. I liked Warriors plus 2. I just think this was a game around regression to the mean. And what I mean by that is Pascal Siakam going 14 for 17 from the floor is an outlier. That is not his normal game. That's way outside of his normal shooting range. He was obviously going to return to his normal shooting percentages and maybe even lower than his normal per shooting percentages. And I think that goes for the rest of the Raptors. I thought Raptors in game one was an A-plus effort from them. Probably probably like a B-minus for the Warriors. And it's just really hard to replicate an A-plus performance over and over again. So I thought game two would see the Raptors play not quite as well and the Warriors play a little bit better. And I think that's what happened. So just my stream of consciousness notes for game two. Inserting Boogie Cousins into the starting lineup was terrific. Cousins was terrific, got some huge rebounds down the stretch, and certainly the Warriors did not win this game without Boogie. I talked about the regression to the mean for the Toronto shooting. That definitely happened. Uh, Siakam and Gasol did not play nearly as well in game two as they did in game one. On the injury front, Clay Thompson and Looney both got injured, both left the game, and both did not return for Golden State. They still managed to pull out the victory, but there's definitely some speculation on the health of the Warriors going forward in the series. I saw something on Twitter that Clay thinks he's going to be okay and does not anticipate missing Game 3. But with Clay and Looney unavailable, Golden State had some crazy lineups out there. A lot of Quinn Cook. We saw Andrew Bogut, but the Warriors got it done. Uh, third quarter was a bloodbath. That 18-0 Golden State run, and Toronto just could not recover. They never regained the lead, the Raptors. And I just don't know how Golden State lineups are going to look going forward with all these injuries. But I will say, with a core of Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Iguodala, you know, I didn't hate 
those four plus Livingston, those four plus Bogut actually looked pretty competent both on offense and defense. And speaking of offensive competence, I think Golden State learned from game one that Toronto was going to do a lot of blitzing and double teaming, especially of Steph, which obviously leaves backside open. And I thought Golden State in game two did a really nice job of taking advantage of that. They got a lot of layups. They got a lot of tip-ins and dunks. Basically, if Toronto's going to extend the defense and blitz the guards, that leaves them vulnerable on the back end. And there were several instances where the Warriors just had a big roll to the basket and a guard throw it up for an easy tip-in or slam for the bigs. Nice adjustment there by the Warriors. Also, Draymond was terrific. He had 17, 10, and 9 and was just awesome on defense. This this uh, playoffs Draymond is definitely a couple steps up from regular season Draymond. He has really brought it here in the playoffs. And obviously Boogie bringing a, an excellent performance in game two. Looked like he struggled in game one. Looked like he was a little slow, but Warriors needed Boogie Cousins tonight and he delivered. For Toronto, Fred Van Vliet has awakened. I talked on this podcast about him being one of the worst players in the playoffs a couple weeks ago. His wife had a baby. Fred Van Vliet has awakened. He's inspired. He had 17 points tonight. Uh, Unfortunately for the Raptors, not much else help from the bench. And Kawhi was awesome as usual with 34 and 14. So that leaves us a series tied, one game apiece. And now we're going out to Oakland for game three on Wednesday. I I still like the Warriors overall in this series. Uh, They basically just have to win three of the next five games. I like their chances, uh, especially if Kevin Durant comes back. But we definitely have to keep an eye on the health of the Warriors, specifically Durant, Thompson, and Looney going forward. And then just elsewhere around the league, wanted to touch on the article on the Los Angeles Lakers by Baxter Holmes. I thought it was incredible, and I thought overall it just basically confirmed our suspicions all along that the Lakers truly were a massively dysfunctional organization. Just the recent steps of the Luke Walton firing, missing out on Monty Williams as coach, Ty Lue as coach, eventually hiring their third choice, Frank Vogel, the Mo Wagner draft pick, and last summer the free agent signings of Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Michael Beasley, and Rondo instead of Julius Randle and Brooke Lopez. At the time, a lot of NBA folks were thinking, wow, none of this really makes sense, but maybe the Lakers know what they're doing and they see another angle. But this article really confirms that the Lakers do not know what they are doing. We were right all along. They're dysfunctional. The logic behind these decisions was very questionable. And now Magic Johnson is gone. This article is public and agents are already on the record saying that they will steer clients away from the Lakers because of this dysfunction. Now I've talked quite a bit on this podcast about the upcoming summer, the July 2019, where there's five or six or seven major free agents on the board that could be changing teams and the teams with cap space include the Lakers. So a couple updates, there are some rumors showing that Philadelphia will offer Jimmy Butler a five-year max. No one else can offer him five years, everyone else can offer him four and Jimmy's at an age where that fifth year is a critical element. There's some speculation that Kawhi is open to staying in Toronto. He's obviously a major piece if he moves to the West. Uh, What happens to Toronto? And there's also an online push for Charlotte to keep Kemba Walker, although the Dallas Mavericks have gone public saying that they will pursue Kemba in free agency as well. So that doesn't leave too many pieces left on the board. One piece is Kyrie Irving, and apparently Kyrie is open to going to the Lakers. But in my opinion, isn't that just like pouring gasoline on the dumpster fire? From a chemistry standpoint, the Lakers' chemistry, not good. New head coach, a GM on the hot seat, 
and trying to get these young players, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, to make the leap into becoming a great player, isn't Kyrie counterproductive to all of those things? So something to keep an eye on. The Lakers' drama continues. The Lakers continue to be a circus, and we'll have to keep an eye on them definitely in free agency to see where they go from here. Thanks for listening.